0: My kids and I, um, we like to watch, a few TV shows that we like to watch. Do you have any of those? Do you have TV shows that you watch? Okay, like so a few of you. The rest of you are like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm busy reading the scriptures, thank you. Um, <laughs> um, well, I like to watch TV sometimes. And um, so we, we watch, uh, we, we've recently finished America's Got Talent. Um, we really like that show. Apparently it's just me and Christy Nelson, but... Um, <laughs> But we really enjoyed that show, and watching all these people and their talents, and then at the end of it, this, uh, spoiler alert, sorry, if you haven't watched it by now, it's too late, and so this little cute, little ventriloquist girl, oh, Christy's really plugging her ears. You haven't watched it for real? It's been so long ago. All right, well, sorry. Close your ears. She loses! She wins, she wins. She wins. So, um, so anyway... So, you know, my kids are watching this and like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. She gets a million dollars and like a Vegas show and I don't remember, but, but, you know, pretty pretty cool thing for that to happen. Um, we watched another show called um, American Ninja Warrior. You ever watch that show? And a pretty amazing, like these, athlete, these athletes, uh, men and women doing amazing feats, like incredible things that I will never do because, well. And so but they, they do these amazing things in overcoming these crazy obstacles that just kind of destroy them from time to time. And if we're honest, that's the part that we all kind of like. Like, yeah, we want them to make it up the warp wall, but we also want them to fall off the thing and you know, into the water. And it reminded me of this old show. This old show that used to be on TV called Wipeout. You people, are <coughs> despicable. That, it's the meanest show ever, like these people get destroyed. Both services actually, I said Wipeout, they're like, yeah, like bloodlust, like it's ridiculous. So, uh, so the show Wipeout, if you haven't seen it, it's there's no point other than to hurt people. Like, that's the point of the show. And so people run on this obstacle course and just get devastated. And we smile and laugh and high-five one another over their pain. It really is fantastic. And so just in case you aren't aware of it, I just wanted to show you a little bit. And I, I'm going to show you the mild parts of the show. All right, so check this out. That's Wipeout. Listen to you. Look at the smiles on your faces. You love it. You're like gladiators, like, Whoa. Uh, so, when I was watching this, and I was thinking about it over the course of this week, and I remembered that old show, I thought how interesting it is. Because the truth of it is, we've been in this series talking about purpose for the last several weeks. And I think the way that really this works is a bunch of you feel just like that. Like you're on course for purpose, you're trying to figure it out, you're trying to run through life and do what God's called you to do. But it almost seems like at every turn, pff, smack wall. Like you just get devastated busted up again and again and again, and you get up, filthy and muddy, and you're like, okay, God, I'll do it again, like that poor guy, go, 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 smack, and you're back down again. Some of you, if you're honest, in the room today, you feel just like those poor people. And I want to talk a little bit about that today, and hopefully help us get through the smack wall of life, as it were. We've been in the series called On Purpose, and we've been talking about lies that we believe about our potential. We've been camped out on the idea that every single one of us have God-given purpose. And it's our desire that we all find it, figure it out, and fulfill it together. And each week, we've kind of launched from this passage in Judges chapter 6, 1 through 12. And I'm not going to read the whole thing today, but, but here's what's happening. Israel has disobeyed the Lord, and the Midianites are oppressing them and stealing their stuff. And so you've got this guy Gideon... He's hiding out in a wine press and he's threshing wheat down there so that the Midianites don't come and steal his stuff. And so in Judges 6, verse 11, we read, The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abiezer, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Every week we've been talking about that phrase. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Because there is something inside of every one of us, I think, that really wants to be the hero. God has infused something inside of us. Every one of us, we want to be the Daniel LaRusso crane techniqueing the Cobra Kai. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> Some of you of a certain age, you say amen. Some of you who are not, you say, what is he talking about? Uh, we all want to be the hero. We all want to participate and those things that God's called us to. And I, I think that that desire, that heroic thing, that thing that's inside of us, it's more than childish imagination. It's more than you just wanting to be a hero or seeing a movie or seeing a TV show and thinking, I want to do that. There's something inside of you that I think is God-infused for you to make a difference in the lives of other people. Listen to what God has to say about this, who he wants us to, what he wants us to do and who he wants us to be. In Jude, verses 20 through 22, it says, But ye, beloved, building yourselves up in in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Listen, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. You'll notice those words, have compassion, make a difference, save with fear, or help people to understand the danger that they're in, pulling them out of the fire, all of those descriptions in that verse, all of this, this is what God has called you to do. Like, he's calling you to do those things. Look, like it's true that you were created for something amazing. And when I say that, I don't want you to hear it as famous. I don't want you to see your name in lights. I don't want you to see the masses before you. When I say you, you're called to do something amazing. I want you to hear it as unique, special, purposeful, something that's just for you. And maybe even something that's hidden. Right? Maybe not something that, that is for everybody else, but you, as you're working in secret, being a blessing to other people, God's accomplishing his purposes through you. You were created to do something amazing. When you discover that, that purpose, that thing that God has given you, that's when you start to fulfill all those amazing qualities that we just read about. So what God is doing in Judges 6 is he's trying to help Gideon to understand his purpose, and Gideon is not buying it. Gideon doesn't get it. Gideon doesn't believe it. He's hiding out God says you're a mighty hero, and He says, "No, I'm not." I think every one of us can probably identify with that. But God has a purpose that's just right for you, and I think He's loaded it into your heart, kind of like an operating system, like it's 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 a part of you. I really like watching the Apple keynote addresses. You know what those are? No, nobody knows what that is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, nerddom has happening. Uh, that Apple has these big events where they kind of release the new softwares and new phones. You know, I know most of you are mad you iPhone X, but but I think it's kind of fun. And so, so I like to watch those things. And they they get they release those new operating systems. Um, how many of you are Apple users, by the way? How many of you? Oh, look at that. Okay. How many of you are your your PC users? Oh, very few. All right, that's good. We're going to pray for you and um, ask for the Lord's will to be done in your life. Okay, uh, I'm kidding. Um, but I, I, really, I do enjoy watching these things. And so they present all the stuff. And they just recently, they, they released iOS 11, so an update for your phone. And they released macOS High Sierra, right? They released all these new operating systems. And every time you get one, like, it changes stuff. So you know how your phone used to look, and then, and then your phone changes. And it, you're like, I don't, I don't know exactly what to do with this. Like It used to do this, and now it does this. And I'm not sure how to work it. I, I can't get all the functional, functionality out of it that I used to get, and so I'm confused. And what it takes, it takes a little time for you to explore, to dig into a little bit, to ask some questions, to try to figure it out, sometimes trial and error, and help, it, help to understand all the functionality that you can have in that new operating system. Your purpose is no different. It's hardwired into you. It is your operating system. And you don't know all about it. Some of you have figured out some of it. Yeah, I kind of get how it works. I'm not sure about all the the different elements of it, but I kind of get it. And so, what do you have to do? You have to take a little time. You have to explore. You have to dig around. You have to have some trial and error. You have to try to figure it out. But it's in you. And God wants to teach you how to use it. He's got something that's just right for you. But one of the things that's going to happen as you try to figure that out and you do that exploring is you're going to find some obstacles. Like things are going to pop up that are going to try to derail you from figuring out how to use your purpose, how to fulfill it, and get all of the functionality out of you that God's put in there. Just like those people in Wipeout. As you go forward, walls are going to jump out, things are going to spin, there's going to be a bunch of stuff to try to take you out and (coughs) knock you off into the pit so that you don't get up anymore. And everybody, we got to be the people that get back up and go again. So today, and you know why? Because people are important, because God is good, because he loves this world so much that he sent his only son into it, because he wants to do things and bring healing and righteousness and justice into the earth, and he wants to participate with you to do it, (coughs) and nobody else is coming. You're the generation that's here to do it. And so we want to figure out what those obstacles are, and we want to try to break through them with his help. So today I want to give you just a few of those, all right? Just for the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about some of the obstacles that try to knock you out. And the first one is refusing to do anything until you have everything figured out. <laughs> refusing to do anything until you have everything figured out. Now many of you are already like this, like this is your personality. Talking about hardwiring, hard this is you. Uh, this is not necessarily me. So Maria and I, my wife, we're kind of opposites in this. She is the researcher. She will research things, she will get into the internet, she will try to figure it out, and she will spend weeks, months, in some cases, years, figuring out how to research and what, what we're supposed to do about any given thing, right? She, it's, listen, when I say that, it's incredible. I'm so thankful for it. I mean, it's one of the many reasons why I married her. You see what I'm doing here? Okay, so, so, so I, I really appreciate that about her. I am not like that at all. So she has this backpack that's sitting right there beside her. And she researched those backpacks for probably a good year. Was it more? It was less? All right, preacher expansion. Okay, but but it was a long time. And we had three, four, five, six, I don't know how many backpacks come through our house and then go back to the place because it wasn't exactly the right one. Because she knew exactly what she wanted. And until she got it all lined up and got the perfect thing, she wasn't going to do it. Now me, I'll say, oh, I like that. And I'll purchase it and it'll be fine and we'll figure it out. Or if we're having an argument, which we never do, and if ever we do have an argument, it certainly always is my fault. You see what I'm doing here? So uh, if, if, it, if it ever happens, um, we have an argument, she, she needs to go away. She goes away and goes to another room and has to think and process for an hour or a process through the evening and, and then and then she'll figure it out, get it lined up, put all the pieces in order, and then come back and then we'll have the discussion. Me, I just kinda let it all dribble out. I just I just start talking until the words come out, and then we get on the course of what I think is going on in my heart. Does that make how many of you are like that? How many of you are like I gotta get it all figured out first? How many of you are like, I just start talking, and it just happens? Yeah, okay. So I just, I just do it. I just process it. I'm an external processor with her. And so you know what this is like, right? You know how this works. But the hard truth is, is that finding and fulfilling your purpose doesn't work that way. You can't do all the research. You can't get all the stuff figured out. You can't line everything up and then start doing it. Instead, God seems to work through, I think, what you might call progressive revelation. Where he kind of unveils things. He'll show you as much as you need to know or as much as you can handle at the time. And then when necessary, he'll reveal the additional things to help you continue on as it becomes necessary. Are you familiar with the name Corrie Ten Boom? Yes. Incredible story. Incredible story of her and her family. They saved dozens of Jews by hiding them in their house in Amsterdam in World War II. Right? You may have seen the movie or read the book, The Hiding Place. So uh, there's a story that she tells when she was a little girl and she was worried about death, she was worried about losing her father and her dad said this to her. He said, Corey, when you and I go to Amsterdam, when do I give you your ticket? Why, just before we get on the train, Corey replied. Exactly. And our wise father in heaven knows when we're going to need things too. Don't run out ahead of him. When the time of need comes, you will look into your heart and find the strength you need. Just in time. I think he works like that. And when you stop to think about it and stop being mad about the fact that you don't have all the pieces all at the same time, I think it makes sense. Listen, if God showed you the scope of what he wanted to do with you in your life, I think it would totally freak you out. You'd be scared off of it and you wouldn't want to do it. Look how Jesus did this with the original disciples in Matthew chapter 4. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once, at once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee. By the way, if you're having a child soon, Zebedee, great biblical name. It would be fantastic. I highly recommend it. (laughs) Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So check that out. Jesus, he didn't tell Peter, James, John, the rest of them. He didn't tell them that he was going to take them from their fishing routes, from their simple jobs. He didn't say that I'm going to take you and go and you're going to build the Christian church and it is going to change the course of human history. He didn't say that. He didn't explain to them that he was preparing to scatter them out to different regions in the continent. And that they would stand there before powerful and evil rulers. And they would speak to the powerful and hostile people. And that they would motivate people to live completely different lives than they're already living. Jesus also conveniently left out the fact that they would be tortured and that they would give up their lives for him and for his kingdom cause. And when you look back through it, remember, John was boiled in oil and exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross. James was martyred. Philip was imprisoned and crucified. Nathaniel was cruelly beaten and crucified upside down. Stephen stoned to death. Thomas impaled by pagans with a spear. Matthew killed with a pickaxe. Thaddeus and Simon were crucified, and James the less was beaten, stoned, and had his head bashed in with a hammer. Welcome to church, everybody. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're here. Be encouraged. Go with God. <laughs> Look, if Jesus would have explained all of that at the beginning, do you think they would have gone? Would you? <laughs> hey, hey, come follow me. Oh, by the way, I'm going to die. I'll be crucified, but I'll rise right, again. It'll be cool. I'm going to send you out, and you're going to talk to hostile rulers, and really, at the end of your life, they're going to kill you, and so it's going to be great. You ready? Let's go. No! No one was going to follow that plan. But what did Jesus do instead? Instead, he partnered with them. He taught them. He got them ready to fulfill their purpose little by little. He would give them pieces for them to do on their way to turning the world upside down. And along the way, they gained strength. They gained devotion. They started to understand how his power would work and work through them. How all authority in heaven and earth was given to him and how he would be with them. And then he gave them his Holy Spirit to cooperate with them so they could partner in the earth to do the things that he wanted to do. Listen, everybody, that's what he wants to do with you. God wants you to succeed, and he's going to lead you. But oftentimes, it's just one step at a time. If you're going to do this, you're going to have to settle the issue. Settle the issue that you won't have all the things, you won't have all the pieces, you won't have all the resources that you're going to need. But please, just remember that God has called you to a life of faith. He's called you to trust him and take one step at a time. Listen, we're doing this right now. We've launched this initiative to have a dream center, a place in the city where we can connect with and help some of the hurts and needs that are around our city. And we don't know what to do. We don't know how it works. We don't know how it operates. We don't know what all the pieces are, but we've launched and we're moving. So we've got this for-the-one outreach that's that's building and growing. We don't know what the next steps are, but we're going. Why? Because we heard God say, dream center, I want you to build one and I want you to help. And so now we've got this prison training ministry that's happening, and they're going to pretty soon be going into prisons to start bringing life into those dark places. Uh, We're just taking one step at a time. The same thing is true for you. One step at a time. And last night as I was praying about this, I was walking around my neighborhood and praying for you, and I felt like God spoke something to me and reminded me of some things that I haven't done yet. A step that I was supposed to take, and I haven't done it yet. And I'm like, God, why? Why isn't this happening? Why, isn't, why, why aren't I further in this? And he reminded me of that and said, son, I want you to take that step. Take that one. I'll give you the next one when it's time. And I sensed in my heart that he wanted to say to many of you, there's a step out there that you were supposed to take, and you didn't take it yet. And he's waiting. Like, why isn't my life where I thought it would be? Why have I not gone further in the purpose that I thought he had for me? <coughs> I just need to take that next step. And then he'll start to unveil it. One step at a time. Hebrews 10.38 says, But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. I don't want to be that guy. Another obstacle I think that keeps us from fulfilling our purpose is trying to fulfill it in your own strength. Trying to do it by yourself. Zechariah 8.6 says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. All this may seem impossible to you now. A small and discouraged remnant of God's people. But do you think this is impossible for me? The Lord Almighty. I think the reason why we get overwhelmed when we start talking about our call and our purpose and the things that we're supposed to do is because we underestimate the power of God working through us to accomplish his purposes. Far too often we end up living our lives without factoring in God's miracle working power that's available to everybody. We all have to create this space Space in our hearts, a space in our lives, what we might call miracle space. We've got to cr- start creating miracle space. Here's what I would define it as Miracle space is the gap between what we can accomplish in our own strength and ability and what can happen when we allow God to work with us and through us. What we can accomplish in our own strength and ability and what, we can, what can happen when we allow God to work with us and through us. But most of us have a problem because we live in this culture that acts solely on the tangible. Solely on what we can see. And many of us are just used to living that way. I do things that I can understand. I do things that make sense. I don't like to put myself out there. I want to have all the pieces in order. So most of us are reluctant to take that step of faith and believe that God is going to come and fill in the gap. John 5, 1 through 8 says Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. Some manuscripts talk about how an angel of the Lord would come and stir up the waters and the first person to get in would be healed. So verse 5, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Think about that. Lying there sick 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. It's an amazing story. Every day for almost 40 years, this guy has been dependent on other people to come and help him. 40 years, like 13,870 days of powerless and difficult living. And Jesus walks by and says something to the man that nobody else has ever said. Jesus looks at him and says, hey, pick up your mat and walk. (laughs) He's creating this miracle space. He's telling this crippled man to do more than he ever thought would be possible for him. He's speaking to him and saying, you do more than you think you can do. In fact, he's saying, you're going to do more than actually, literally, you can do because I know you can't get up. So there's this miracle space that's created. Something the crippled man has to do, but God has to be involved for him to be able to do it. That's what I'm talking about. Miracle space that, that God wants you to have in your life. He's asking you to take a step out. He's asking you to do things that you can't do under your own strength or ability. When was the last time that you created that miracle space? When was the last time that said, "There's this dream, there's this thing that I think God has called me to, but I can't do it"? He's going to have to intervene. We don't like to live that way. It's uncomfortable. We might be embarrassed. It might not work out. I might get embarrassed in front of my friends, or my family, or my wife or my husband. I might be embarrassed. What if it doesn't work? I want to be in control. I want to manage it. I want to be able to handle it. And so we bring that thing here close to us so we can do it. As a result, God's not able to do the incredible things that he wants to do in you because he wants you to have miracle space. Miracle space, the gap that only God can do. And if we don't have that, it becomes an obstacle, one that we've got to break through if we're ever going to fulfill the stuff that he wants us to do. How do you do it? Create a gap. Figure out the way to create a gap. Do something more. Look for something more than you ever thought you could do on your own. When I was a young youth pastor, um, we had done a bunch of retreats for teenagers and back in Colorado. I was just there this past week, and so all these memories were stirred in me. And um, we, we'd do these retreats to take junior high kids away to the mountains and take high school kids away to the mountains and have these really incredible and powerful times. And I just felt like God was saying there's something more and then we needed to do something new with these kids. And then we needed to send them out um, overseas on missions trips. And we always tried to do that a bit. And so we, God had been blessing us. And we'd kind of been growing. And so I sensed that, that God wanted me to do something different. So he, he, I, I felt like he wanted me to take all of them. <laughs> take everybody. So junior high, high school kids, all at the same time. And so we started making the plans. And I'm telling you, it was miracle space because there was a gap in what I could do. Because what happened was we ended up taking 900 teenagers... And our teenagers and leaders, all of us together, 16 coach buses to the mountains together. And I was responsible for all of them. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help me. And so we went into the mountains with these 16 charter buses and all these kids and worshipped and read the scriptures. And it was one, it ended up being one of the most powerful retreats that we'd ever had because of what God did in the lives of students. And actually, literally, the last night calling them into purpose for their life. And that led into us sending 250 teenagers all around the world that summer. 250 going around to to do the work of God and to make things right. An absolutely incredible thing. And there was no way as a young youth pastor that I could do all of that. But I said he wanted me to do something and so I said yes to Miracle Space. Do you know what happened? You're already there. He took up all the space and he did the work. And a bunch of kids' lives were changed. And a bunch of people on the other side of the world were changed. You see, there's something waiting for you. There are people waiting for you on the other side of that miracle space if you just say yes. Third thing, third obstacle is the criticism of other people. It becomes an obstacle to try to stop you cold in your tracks. And any of you that have been on Facebook for, oh, I don't know, three seconds, you've seen the criticism. If you've ever gone to YouTube ever in your life, people just people always say, don't read the comments. You just don't read the comments on YouTube. It's not worth your time. So critical. And people will stand and they'll criticize you when you try to fulfill God's purpose. Because some people are jealous. Because some people don't like when the spotlight is taken away from them. Some people will question your motives and, and misunderstand what it is that you're trying to do. Some people are just crazy competitive. And so you just have to settle it. You're going to face criticism. Most of you are probably familiar with Matthew Barnett. He started the Los Angeles Dream Center and is kind of responsible for the whole Dream Center movement. So when he was a young man, he was trying to learn how to preach. He wanted to follow in the footsteps of his father, Tommy Barnett. Tommy Barnett is the pastor of pastors, the preacher of preachers in Phoenix, Arizona. So at 16 years old, Matthew Barnett started prepping his first sermon to give at church. And he worked hard for three weeks to try to make it happen. So he goes to preach on that Sunday morning, and he stood up there on the platform, and he presented his message, his 45-minute message that he presented in five minutes, because he just rattled through it nervously. He had a stuttering problem. He just kind of bumbled his way through it, and so he stepped off the platform five minutes later. He was walking kind of dejected through the church and went, went past one of the rooms where two of the older pastors were sitting, and he overheard them talking about him saying, "What a pity! It's a shame to see a young man trying to do something he's not called to do, and that man is not called to preach. He was devastated. He walked home uh, to his grandmother's house, about two miles away, flopped down on the bed in tears, crying. Grandma came in and said, "Well, Matthew, what's wrong?" He said, "Grandma, those, those men said I can't do it, and it was a terrible thing, and I was awful." And she said, "Well, I didn't hear that. I thought it was fant- I thought it was Billy Graham up there preaching.) <laughs> Thank God for lying grandmothers, right? She knew it was terrible. But she encouraged him, and so he was able to lift his head up and say, okay, I'm going to use that criticism to be better. I'm going to ask God to help me, and I'm going to get better. And so he set to work being better. So fast forward, he launches the Los Angeles Dream Center. And it's a crazy story if you've never heard it. You should Google him and look it all up. It's an amazing story. And now he's in LA, at Angeles Temple in the Los Angeles Dream Center, and he's ministering to countless numbers of people, saving ex-gang members, ex-drug dealers, ex-prostitutes, pulling them out of a life of sin and misery, and pulling them into the kingdom of God. He's doing this over and over and over again. And as he's doing that, people are criticizing him now and saying, oh, well... Someday you'll be able to step out of the slums and, and go into a more prestigious work. Ridiculous. Uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, experts in the fields have, have emailed him and called him and told him, uh, you're, you're, what you're doing is not effective, it's not good, it's too faith-based. I sat there in one of the services, surrounded by all these guys in black shirts. All of them in the discipleship program. Ex-gang members, on drugs. All these guys sitting there, saved, set free, healed, delivered. Listening to that man on the front, listening to Matthew Barnett preach, shouting him down, writing notes. I don't even write notes. <laughs> writing notes, uh, listening to what it, he is making a difference because the Spirit of God is moving. him. What would have happened if he would have said, I can't do it, Grandma. I can't do it. I give up. Yeah. There were so many people that were waiting on the other side of obedience to fulfill the purpose that God has given him. If you listen to the criticism, it stops you, and those people don't hear the message and the thing that's inside of you. So what are you going to do? I think this is the question that we all have to ask ourselves. As you're going forward, you're repeatedly going to have to ask yourself this important question. Who are you doing this for? Who are you doing this for? Colossians 3, 23-24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Hey everybody, everybody. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Ultimately, you don't answer to your critics. You answer to the one who gave you your purpose. And he loves you. And he believes in you. And he's called you. So if you're living your life so that people pat you on the back, so they'll affirm you, so you can feel warm and fuzzy all all over. Eventually, that's going to fall short and you're going to get derailed. (coughs) Because all that acclaim, it goes away. Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You're familiar with that old saying, you can please some of the people all of the time. You can please all the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all of the time. And since that's true, let's just stop trying. Let's not worry about it. Hey, here's an idea. Instead, let's please God. Let's just please God. I see it in my own kids, Right? When, like, my son Ewan, he's in flag football with uh, Nate, with Coach Nate, Nathan Emmer. And so he's teaching him, and it's been a really cool journey so far. And, and when he's running, he, he, he grabs a kid's flag, he yanks it off. You know, I'm on the sidelines. Yeah, good job, Ewan! And Ewan is looking for me. All oh, the other people? No, that's fine. That's good. He, he likes that. But there's one person that he wants to see him do it. It's his dad. His dad looking at him saying, see, one only one applause matters. Only one praise matters. Only one person matters, and it's me. All my kids do it. Reese, she draws artwork, and she wants to bring it immediately and say, look at this. Oh, it's beautiful. Why? Because my opinion matters. <laughs> the other people, they don't matter as much. All those other voices, they don't matter as much. Other kids saying, oh, you don't draw so good. It doesn't matter. Why? Because my <laughs> approval matters. Look, everybody, you haven't. You have his approval. You have his love. You have his attention. You have his heart. You have He's looking at you. So stop looking around to all the people around you. And instead, look up to him. Let the applause of the one, your father in heaven, let it be the only applause that you need. And Don't worry about everybody else. Yeah, don't be an idiot. Yeah, sure. But, but, but let his applause be the thing that matters most. We don't really have time to finish. I'll give you the last one and you can write it down for you note takers. I'm proud of you. <coughs> One of the other obstacles is your own character. It's something that you have to deal with and allow God the access into your heart. Just like we were saying today with all those songs, I surrender to you. I want you to have access to all of me so that you can deal with me. Get the stuff out of me that's there. Remove from me anything that's a hindrance to uh, who you've called me to be.